Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Mission Daily. And today, I just finished my homework assignment. Stephanie, she assigned me some homework to read the new book or to read excerpts of the new book and listen to a podcast from 816Z regarding Peter. I believe his name is pronounced Diamandis. Mm-hmm. Diamandis. Yeah, he's been on our shows before, one of our shows. I didn't interview him, but he's been on Mission Daily before. And... Stephanie said I had to read this. Well, she didn't say I had to. She suggested I read it. I strongly suggested that I thought it would be helpful if you read it without me. Okay, previously I'm giving you five minutes to look into something. But this time I'm like, okay, I actually want you to do some homework on this and come to this conversation a little bit more educated than you would have been before. Um, so yes, I had you read. They have a new book, uh, Peter Diamandis and Salim Ismail, I think is how you say his name, and Michael Malone, I think. Is it Michael Malone? Let me check. Okay, Michael Malone. Yeah. So they wrote a new book that was basically an update to their old book. So they wrote a book originally called Exponential Organizations. I think it was in 2014, maybe was their original one. And the, was it 2014? Um, Yes. uh, Yes. It looks like 2014. Okay. So in 2014, they were writing about, you know, all the unicorns back then. So like the Ubers, the Airbnb, Instagram, kind of highlighting this like new age of companies that were coming online that were becoming unicorns, hitting billion dollar statuses, and they only would have maybe a couple employees or they were just doing things differently. Um, Like they weren't maybe owning all the pieces of their company, maybe like Uber's case where it's like they don't need to own the cars or Airbnb, they don't need to own houses. And so it's just a different structure of business building that they wanted to write about. So they wrote up this book and I do remember it back in 2014, although I did not read it back then. Now they wrote a 2.0 version, um, which of course I'm like, okay, I need to see what are they writing about now and what did the updates look like? So in this newer book, a lot of it is about all the advancements that are happening that we see and that we've been talking about on Mission Daily. But what's fascinating is that their book is a living book. So they're going to constantly keep updating this one, which I found just an interesting new concept, not just keeping it old, uh, because their whole premise is that the world is accelerating so quickly that they don't want something to be out of date. So they have this book that Albert went and checked out. um, And there's a lot of good podcast episodes about this concept as well. Um, But the book is all about essentially 20 Gutenberg moments are hitting us right now. Gutenberg moments are, you know, printing press. It took like a hundred years for the printing press to come out. Yeah, and then it transformative changed. society, industrial, transformational uh, technologies, events, things like of that nature that will forever uh, put a fork Change. in yeah. the path of growth or the path of the way humans do things. Yep. Yeah. So he's, their premise is we've experienced maybe one of these, like one in a century is normally what like humans can deal with. And he's We've like, gotten two. It's two? interesting. Okay. You, our generation has gotten two. What's this? What are the two? The internet mm-hmm. okay. and mobile, mobile computing. Okay. So that's Transformative like- Transformative in the way yep. we now currently operate. Okay. So we've gotten two then, which is still, I feel like we're still trying to figure those out. But they might be small and- in, in, yeah. see, That's the thing is like history will might look at that as together because mm-hmm. they'll say, oh, that was- you know, you're Same talking thing. about 1993 to, and I remember cell phones by 2003, a lot of people had Blackberries. So like mm-hmm. they might say 10 years is too small. Like it's just, they might just compress it all to like a period of time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we y'all got the, the internet. You know, it's like, oh, the Renaissance. It's like, it's much bigger than a year. Yeah. <laughs> so if we only got two during our time frame, or and one. now, or one, or one, depending. And now 
20 or more are about to hit society all at the same time, they're kind of like, how do companies deal with this? How do you think about building a company now? How do companies of the past think about either changing themselves and reinventing themselves to be able to keep up? Are they able to keep up? Um, and I think there was a quote in the book that maybe he pulled it from someone else where it's like, if you did well in the 2000s, um, you're gonna struggle in the 21st century because how you built your company is like, it's gonna be too hard to unwind and be able to perform in the present with all these other upstarts who are able to just tap into technology, think differently, experiment quickly, hire workforces differently. Like they're just moving too quickly and to untangle an organization is difficult unless you really go through a certain process, which of course he details. But when I was reading this book, my first thought was, okay, how do we build a company of the future? Like, how do we think about this? What's the playbook? And as I started reading it, some of these pieces actually you and I have talked about, especially when it comes to building up teams, um, like how to think about decentralized versus centralized things. And so that's why I thought it'd be an interesting conversation today to talk about some of the concepts in this book, but also, you know, how we're thinking about maybe like, does this influence your decision-making going forward? Yeah. So I will go first maybe because I'm going to, I truly do believe this. I don't think they say anything new. I really don't. Uh, okay. It does feel like a lot because I still remember having going through training in 2005 for the Rockefeller habits. You know, they talked about big, hairy, audacious goals, which is not really to me, not that different from build a massive transformative mm-hmm. uh, purpose. You know, they're which talking that, about that. Yeah, their terminology. Yep. And that's their terminology. And so part of me does. I always think to my I do think a little bit in a, in a skeptic's point of view where I think to myself, well, they're also creating new terms and oh, lo and behold, they also offer consulting to allow you to yeah. learn from them. <laughs> uh, so, it, you know what I mean? I, got, I take it all with a grain of salt. It's not to say what they're saying is wrong, but I don't think what they're saying is new. I think that people have always wanted to. I think companies have always wanted to push for innovation. And I do agree. Big, stodgy companies are designed to not lose. They're not designed to do something new. This is why most companies acquire their new lines of business, they don't develop them internally. Um, you'll see this time and time again, right? And it's because it's, too, it's, it's when you're sitting on a gold mine, let's say a cash cow, it's really hard to mess with it. It's really hard to say, hey, I'm gonna, you know, take my own market share or introduce a new way or technology that might be counterintuitive to the way I currently make money. Um, you know, let's use electric cars, a lot of, audio manufacturers, I'm sure could have seen it coming, but they're like, "Eh, we don't want to invest there. We don't know if it's going to be the right thing. And Mm -hmm. so it's easier to not lose what you have (laughs) because to not lose what you have means you do nothing. You just just kind of hang on as long as you can. And so I think that that is true. That, that part is, and it's been true. It's been true for a long time. The, the one thing that I'll say about some of these principles that they talk about in this book is these things really only scale in software reliant and possibly software only type products and software like so some type of digital asset that can be multiplied many times over without a significant increase in cost of goods sold because like a Airbnb Uber you know you take a look at those business models don't get me wrong they're fantastic but they're built on the backs of physical, like someone had to get good at making cars. Someone had to get good at making homes. Someone had to get good at making hotels. So whatever the case may be in order for those things to exist. And so it won't work for everybody, 
I think pieces of it will, but um, I, I just think that, yeah, while these things are super transformative, I actually don't believe that if you don't do it this way, you will automatically default and lose. Um, I think you might not win as big, but I don't mm-hmm. think you'll lose. I don't okay, think you're guaranteed so, to lose. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone's ever guaranteed to lose, but I mean, one piece that I found interesting was talking about how to hire and like developing a workforce or thinking about, you know, your employees, your team. Cause the one thing they're pushing for is now more than ever, you need a flexible workforce. It's not going to be this environment of having tons of, you know, FTEs that you're probably like betting big on and having these big workforces. And while I'm reading this book, I'm like, we're literally seeing this right now. Like all yes. these layoffs happening, people Huge are tech companies canning people left and right. Yep. And then converting people to FTEs because what's happening is like, there's so many market shifts or so many advancements. So much stuff is changing so quickly. I think it's going to be hard to bet on a full-time employee because it's like, okay, your whole job might be transformed in three to six months. Can you keep up? Are you still the right person for that? Do you still want to do this job? Because things are just happening so quickly that I think that's going to change for a long time because the companies that are going to do well and have done well, and they mentioned this, are the ones that are flexible with hiring where they can hire and then can fire really quickly, which a lot of people probably hear that and they're like, that's terrible. You know, my mom worked at, you know, General Motors for 50 years or whatever. But like, I think that is just gone now. And the companies who are going to be able to succeed are the ones who will be able to be flexible. So that piece I definitely agreed on. So that will be a major test. So that will mm-hmm. be a major test. I think that we're, we're currently seeing right now. And one of the things I think about when I watch LinkedIn and I, and I look at all these layoffs, I think there's like this workforce that exists. I call them the moderately smart and the moderately good. I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of moderately good and smart people that are going to find out the hard way that no one needs them Mm because you're not smart enough to do enough or you're not good enough to do the high and like the most productive things. And you're maybe in this place where you think you're maybe better than other jobs and you deserve more. So you don't do the other jobs because you frown upon them. It's like this moderate place, just like all markets, the middle gets squeezed, right? You can win Mm -hmm. the bottom. You know, bar, the barbell effect, right? One side, you can high, low end, high end, or whatever, blue collar, extreme knowledge work. But this moderate, like, you kind of know some things, you kind of can do some labor, it's just getting squeezed out. And I don't know what's going to happen to them. I was going to say, so then what, if I'm listening and I'm like, oh, I'm a moderate person, I'm right in the <laughs> middle, what do I do? Like, I'm trying to think about, like, how would we, how would you guide a friend who's like, oh, I kind of feel like I'm just like right in the middle here. I don't, I'm not really that great at anything. Like, <laughs> You have a lot of advice that you give to your friends. What would you tell them? Like, how uh, yeah. would you advise so, them? So the, I do think there's going to be an emergence of, so this is why I, I, I really do believe this, right? There will be an emergence of leaders, businesses. Let's start with leaders. that are very steadfast in their vision for the future. Now, some of them are going to be right and some of them are going to be wrong, but they're going to be very steadfast in their vision for the future and they're going to build towards it. And I don't think they will be emotionally swayed one way or another very much by like market trends. And I think that that level of stability is where the people who are scared of change possibly will gravitate towards. Like, do you see a future? So, for example, there's like a software layer, I would say, to everything now, right? Uh, Everything has a software layer now, and it seems that way. And it's going to continue going that way. But I actually see, for example, if I was an engineer and I just got cut from Google or I just got cut from Facebook, it's like, why wouldn't I work for like something that's slow and steady. Why wouldn't I work for like a Caterpillar? Why wouldn't I work for 
John Deere? Why wouldn't I work for these big manufacturing companies that are adding more software enabled layers to their company? Because they move at a different pace. Mm -hmm. So let's say, for example, I mean, in all seriousness, right? Like if you're working for a car manufacturer, you really only have to, I guess so, like software is updating more often now because Tesla's pushing that yep. agenda. Yeah. That, I was going to say, <laughs> people just come in and will, I mean, if you do that strategy, then you're always kind of in the, like you're but always Tesla, just waiting. As big as Tesla is, it didn't put every car manufacturer out of business. They're all still operating. Well, Even the ones but, that update once a year. Yeah. But I feel like that's soon going to change with expectation and especially with the partnerships they're doing. Like they just did that partnership with what Ford, where now Ford can tap into all of their super. I can't wait to have a car that's dumber. I, I, I would love a car that's dumber. No software updates. You know, I haven't updated my map in my on my software. It's like a. Oh my, my God. Honda Don't even Odyssey. tell me. I've never updated it. Never. That Odyssey broke down. So no, well, that's not, it didn't break down. It had to get its shocks replaced. Cause I'd put 160,000, 68,000 miles on it. That's different. Okay. That's well, a wear and tear. If you put 168 on your Tesla, it'll need new shocks for sure. No, it'll just update the shocks on its own because that's what it's no, going it to do. No, it can't. It's a physical yeah. thing. You'll find out. I'm going to bet on that happening. No way. I would not bet on that. <laughs> See, to me, now that I've had a Tesla, I'm not going to own some car that's dumb. I'm like, I love I having want software updates every day, knowing that like the every maps are better. Every time I hear about IoT, I, I don't want it. I'm like, dude, I, I don't want anything. <laughs> Uh, that's all I said. I, I You're going the other way. You're going back to BlackBerry. I'm going to the future. You're going. I'm not going. I'm, <laughs> You're going I'm, to the I'm, Odyssey. I'm, <laughs> I'm following the Internet of Shit. My favorite Twitter handle. Every time they see something on, I'm like, oh my god, it sucks. <laughs> so okay, we're betting on different things, obviously, but I do think that this type of advancements will inf infiltrate every industry so you could always keep being like let me go to the john deere's the caterpillars but i think even those companies no they're innovating still they're, they're, like they're still, still innovating but yeah. they're slower because the whole point of this book though is also you have to get your culture on board and how i mean they were and they actually mentioned caterpillar uh in one of the interviews where they're like they went into caterpillar and they're talking to the leaders and they say it takes like three to five years, like if they find out about, let's just say blockchain or sure. whatever, it takes like three to five years to implement something and how they're trying to pull back, like, how can we make that quicker? Like, how do we maybe form different teams and different think tanks and just like, just think differently about these technologies that everyone's already been using for three to five years now, if it makes a business goal. I mean, that's the whole point. Don't just shove technology into something, but yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, like airplane pilots, they were talking about a lot of airlines and stuff. I think, of course, maybe Peter Diamandis was talking about he's a, he flies planes or whatever. I don't know. But he talks about this one company that they basically went full digital. He's like, most other pilots are using like, and the people who are controlling them, they're using sticky notes. And they're like, here's when we're going to get the gas. And they're like moving things around on whiteboards. And he's like, this one company, they just went full digital. And it's so different because they know exactly where the fuel is, when it's getting there, timing. And he's like, but there's still so many who are behind. But I think quickly there's going to be a standard where it's like you need to be operating at a different level. And yeah, you can't but just keep waiting. I, I want to make clear, though, but the thing is, that's not really transformative, though, in, in this regard. That is a Which laggard, part? but I think there's a moving di like moving digital. I mean, oh, I uh -huh. think that is yeah. going to happen. But this idea that the, the the thing that gets I think misinterpreted, and this is just my opinion. So let me first finish what I was thinking about that. 
the there are a lot of industries that are moving slower for sure digitization using you know digital in you know online inventory management tools and stuff like that that's happening in many many categories of business and of course it is like trickling into like like the slower businesses right now aviation transportation uh shocking to people hearing that they're like wow those are really high no dude those are the Mm -hmm. lowest tech of companies uh most logistics firms that we interviewed on the fleet they still use paper like bills Mm -hmm. awaiting to to track their cargo loads so yeah Yes, it is a slow process, but I think that is proven. That's like a proven thing that digitization can help organizations. Some have made enough money without it that they've, you know, shied away. But I think like you suggested that most companies are going to transform to that level where I think people, where I think that um, specifically young entrepreneurs or people who are new to business, they might hear something, but it's not qu- quite true, in my opinion, is this idea that everything has value, right? Because I when I, I swear, a lot of people that I talk to that hear about experimentation and trying new things, they think everything is worth experimenting with. Mm-hmm. But it's actually what you say no to that is probably going to be better, uh, a better measure of your success than what you say yes to. Because if you were to try everything, you would succeed in nothing. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so- While I do agree in experimentation, I think it's this calculated approach. And this is why no one can, there's no playbook to business. It's because no one knows what to experiment with. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Like if there's a playbook, then no one would go out of business. I just saw, I just tweeted about it or excuse me, put it on LinkedIn. I decided to shit post more often on LinkedIn because uh, it's more fun. Um, (laughs) because <laughs> no one are you does getting it any LinkedIn. responses yeah no one no, does no people are they don't want to say <laughs> we're like fuck this guy i gotta get him <laughs> off my feed <laughs> yeah probably not but uh it it talks about instant brands the creator of the instapot it's going bankrupt and they actually have pyrex too they own the ip to pyrex not corning's pyrex but they own a, a version of pyrex and i was thinking to myself like wow how did that happen how can you do that like how can you have such a because even if you have um a bad year, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you over, you over manufactured, you overdid whatever. I'm like, dude, how can you go that wrong? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like they used an innovative approach to figure out the product Instapot. It has a blockbuster couple of years. People were cooking at home. How did they go wrong? And mm-hmm. It's probably more of an idea. I mean, and no one will know until all the stuff comes up, but I bet you it comes more from not focusing than it does. You know what I'm saying? Like, I bet I, I'm, I'm, pro- I'm guessing it came to like trying to expand, trying to grow, trying to do something that you're not actually quite ready to do instead of mm-hmm. focusing on your core business. Um, I, I think you can actually get hurt more than you can expand sometimes. So what I think that's the thing. It's like too it's, much. Hard to, it's hard to make your bet. That's, that's always the problem. What if they focus too much on the Instapot and they forgot that their lifetime value mattered? And once you buy an Instapot, you don't need anything really again after that. And yeah, but I don't want to live in a world much. like that either. That's a terrible world. That's a terrible yeah. world where everything that exists is only to be designed to be replaced. That's awful. Mm-hmm. Like, I, no, I don't want to yeah. live in a place like that either. But then you just have that um, as a company like that, though, you do need to probably think, OK, once they buy this, they probably won't need me for another five years. So what other things can I offer them? To support yeah, that Instapot. <laughs> but I, th- I think that's probably what caused them to lose. Mm-hmm. I, they, I, I, don't, I don't know. I have no idea. But it's hard for me to, it's, it's hard for me to understand having the hottest selling appliance mm-hmm. uh, doing, let's say, 500 million. I think they, their sales were over 500 million last, uh, just last year. Doing over 500 million in sales, even if I gen- drop 30% to the bottom line, you know, carrying, you know, 150 to $175 million of profit, 
it's hard for me to imagine that you could screw up so bad because the only way you go bankrupt is typically because you owe. You owe mm-hmm. so much money that you can't. Like yeah. that seems the only way that could happen is if you made crazy bets that clearly you were wrong on. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Not. I mean, that's why I think when they talk about experiments, I didn't get into all the weeds of like how like they set up an experiment. I know we've talked about this at Mission before yeah. of like we want experiments running, but we want them calculated and we want to make sure that there's some kind of approval because I mean, it just felt better for us personally to be like, hey, let's at least run this by you. You'll get a budget for it. What is the outcome? Is it big enough? Will it have a big enough impact on the company? Because maybe you don't actually understand what's going to impact the company or not. And I actually remember this happening at Google too, like the 20% projects. They would still be run through a person to be like, okay, thank you for saving me $5 million a year, but $5 million actually doesn't really like help us unless it can grow to like $5 billion. (laughs) I'm just making those numbers up, obviously. But there was still some kind of hierarchy. So I don't feel like they talk about this in this book because a lot of it's talking about very decentralized. You know, you've got thousands of teams of like 40 people all experimenting on their own and kind of seeing what happens. And I still am like, I get it. I get the concept. And that also sounds like chaos if you don't have some kind of process helping organize the chaos a bit and making sure that there's still a vision at the top of the company and there's still well, that's why a you method pay them to the fee. madness. You got to pay them that consulting fee. Then they'll tell you how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> next step i'll let you know how, how much it is. <laughs> oh man but i i do want to ask you one question because you were you mm-hmm. know obviously you were very excited to about this episode and or the thought some of the thoughts behind it mm-hmm. i'm curious what do you think you learned so what or do you i just reaffirm what you think you might have already known well yeah some of the things that reaffirm where i was like it was and the stories behind it i think were interesting where it was kind of showing um, just like the history behind things or like how we got to where we got. I think that sometimes people don't always know all the little micro moments that have been happening behind the scenes for hundreds of years that got us here. And so I really like the history and the examples where they were talking about um, like some of these, you know, those 20 Gutenberg moments and how basically a lot of these things have been having these like doubling moments happening behind the scenes when it comes to certain technologies, like doubling when it comes to their effectiveness and the doubling of like the cost going down though. And so some of these, he's like, you don't even notice they're happening yeah. because they're doubling at such a small rate. Maybe it's like 0.001% better. And so for the past hundred years, it's like, you don't even see this progress that's happening on a lot of these. And then all of a sudden doubling actually matters. And he gives the example of like, now it's predicting that like in eight years, solar is going to be actually helping support the majority of people's energy needs. And But it's because of this doubling that's been happening that many people weren't paying attention to. And many people maybe wrote off solar and they're like, yeah, it didn't work quick enough or whatever. And he's like, that's what's happened with AI. That's what's happened with drones. That's what's happening with autonomous vehicles. And so I like that of like how much was going on behind the scenes that like you don't really pay attention to until it's right in front of our face. And we're like, oh, wow, there's a lot of new technologies here, but they've really been working behind the scenes. So that was one piece that I liked of like, what are other things that people are maybe talking about that aren't getting enough love right now? Just because I like paying attention to that stuff. I like knowing like what's coming and what's going to be in front of us that, you know, I mean, I saw that kind of with Bitcoin back in the day and I like that I paid attention to it because it's just fun to be able to stay on top of for me personally. But so that was one thing, the history and just like, uh, being humble about where these things came from and not thinking that just because you can't see it right now, like there's not a bunch of things bubbling up behind the scenes. Um, so that was one thing, history, and just knowing that there might be 20 more of these things happening 
that we can't even see right now that this doubling effect is going to take place in 10 years where we'll be like god damn there's a lot of like things that just changed like in a month what happened we'll be like no it's been happening for decades we just didn't really pay attention to all these people who are working on this stuff so that's the one thing um the other one i really liked well one the workforce thing i thought was very interesting because me personally as an entrepreneur i have shifted my thinking from how i want to build teams um I know when you and I first started working together, like full time was my, for my team members was like my goal, like getting people full time. And I want to give them that like supportive, stable lifestyle and the benefits and all this kind of stuff. And I still think there's always a place for that with the right team members. Like there's always a place for that. But I think actually shifting to how can I keep myself more flexible? Because what we've even been looking at the past like couple months, like our whole processes, I think are about to change. I mean, just yesterday, we found a tool that you just upload the video of your podcast or whatever, and it spits out 15 clips, like pre-selected clips in under five minutes. And we looked at these clips and I was like, wow, these clips are actually pretty good. And you can go in there and just like shift them a bit, maybe like, okay, just delete this one part out, um, move the letters around, but 15 short clips under a minute. And they were pulling these pieces together in a way where I was like, I don't know. I don't know if we really need someone really doing that part, the creative part, like, you know, maybe coming back and be like, okay, let's make this a little better. Let's clean it up a bit. Let's like, but that's a pretty big change, especially if we would have hired up a full video team, you know, six months ago. And so that's something that I just think even in our space, technology is changing things so quickly that I want to make sure we're agile as a company to be able to go where things are changing and not be like, okay, I still want to build up, you know, a whole team of like 10 video engineers where now I'm like, I don't know. Like for in-person stuff, sure. If we're doing a docu-series or whatever, yeah, definitely like on the ground people, but pulling clips or making, you know, designs or like all that's shifted so much in six months. Like I don't need a designer to create thumbnails for me as much anymore. Like there's about to be tools that just do that for you. Yeah. I mean, so my, my, I always think of it this, well, I currently think of it this way, which is if you can, I can. And someone else can too. So I think that's always, that's why I kept saying, you know, I, you know, I've been saying this about AI for a little bit now because I've only known about it for a little bit uh, to see what it can do, which is if everyone can, then it's not, it's, if, if it's, if everyone, if it's available to everyone, it's going to be valuable to no one, meaning it's not going to create significant more value. Um, similarly to like, I, I always give my example of Google, right? Like no one puts on their resume that, they know how to Google things like that's not a thing, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because everyone can do it. Um, I see AI dramatically impacting the way we work. That's why I was talking about that middle knowledge worker. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know if you have a place anymore mm-hmm. um, because like that's to me like you can't select a better clip. You know what I mean? Like, are you really going to select a better clip than this clip can select in this tool in like a fraction of a second? Mm-hmm. It's or you're going to spend say- like eight hours like it's hard to say that you will yeah Yeah. because you're not really you're not creating something from scratch do you know what i mean like you didn't create something from scratch ergo um you know whatever you're being paid like you divide that uh in the value incremental value it creates and then you divide that you can figure out what the cost is and if it doesn't create enough you'll uh you'll 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 cut it Mm -hmm. um but the next that's why i was thinking about this and Diamanda said it and Rockefeller said it. Ma- many, many people have said it. They talk about like 
you have to be overwhelmingly passionate about solving this problem in order to have a chance to succeed. And so uh, he did it on the 816 podcast where he said, hey, listen, man, if you're not going to spend eight years of your life minimum Mm -hmm. every day punishing yourself to try to figure out the solution to this problem, it's probably not going to work out. Yeah, most companies and, aren't successful until year seven. Like year I seven is kind of the turning point for a lot of companies. So this is the problem with thinking that you can just hire somebody with that level of passion. I don't think that exists. Yeah. I think mercenaries are always mercenaries. They're hired guns and they will do what you ask. But unless you have some outsized vision for them, they probably won't hit it. Because, because service workers, so if I'm a contract worker and I know I'm replaceable, the first thing I need to make sure I do is fulfill the contract so I get paid, mm-hmm. right? And do it in a good job. If I want to do a little extra, that's certainly on me. And then a lot of contractors will think to themselves, well, is there even extra to pull from you? Meaning, is there a big enough job to pull from you? And then the other thing is, of course, is, well, if someone pays me more, now mm-hmm. my attention goes there. So I think that this idea that you can hire spot line project people to execute a job I think that it's possible, but I don't know if the big, hairy, audacious companies or the massive transformational companies will be built in that way because the people that are on that journey with you, they also, mm-hmm. in my opinion, have to think very similarly like you in order to go to the extra mile. Because if I'm a hired gun and it's for a project, I can also say yes to another project that I'm more interested in and or get paid more or something like that. And so mm-hmm. I still think there's going to be this element of you will kind of Every CEO is going to have to be able to recruit people. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're not a good CEO, yeah, where you're probably like, or you're not good with people, probably like me, what excites <laughs> me is there's more opportunity to be a solopreneur than ever. So that, yeah. that's also true. <laughs> yeah. I was actually going to say, I think relationships are going to be more important than ever because there's certain people that I can tap into to support me but it's more from a relationship standpoint where I'm like, I know they're not going to fuck me over. Like, I know they're going to complete that contract because they're friends with this friend or whatever. Like, I think relationships are more important than ever. If you're, I mean, for anything, for full-time and for contractors, it's like, can you help lead and guide those people and just have a reason for them to want to be there outside of just the money, maybe even outside of the vision. Um, Cause I do feel like sometimes people just show up for me. I feel like a lot of times you just show up for me or I did at one point. Cause there wasn't money there. There wasn't maybe even a vision at one point of like, what are we doing here? And I feel like <laughs> you did just show up for me in a lot of ways. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but I think that's going to be needed in the future too. More than ever. That I think so. I think so. And, and so that part of like the team concept, I don't think it ever goes away. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that humans are always like that. And um, you know, I, I, I don't believe I don't believe AI is going to replace. That's why I say AI is not going to replace everybody. But this like middle, not like yeah. <laughs> this middle knowledge of people that are kind of working, but they also mm-hmm. like they they're the ones that I would say quiet, quick things, and you know they they kind of check in the bare minimum. Yeah, you're not needed. Like, yeah. You're just not. <laughs> yep. I was actually just talking to. Uh, I had this guy Amir Chevette come in the studio, and he built all these developer platforms for like Twitter and Slack and yeah. all the biggest places. And I asked him about developers because I was like, you build all these developer communities. But I mean, I worked at Google. I saw what some of these developers and engineers did. Like they would submit like one line of code a month and be like, done, like do my job. (laughs) And I was like, don't. And I know what these tools are looking like um, that come out where you're just talking and it's coding for you. Or there's already like chunks that'll make for you. 
And he kind of said the same thing, like the portion of engineers who are just doing the menial coding, he's like, that's just going to go away because now not only can you have something help you write code, but then it also will run the code and then fix the errors for you too. All like automatically. And so what you really need is the creative engineer, the creative developer, the creative anything who can kind of like have the vision or just be able to solve problems in a different way and create solutions in a different way that isn't just automated or just like, yeah, so it's it's that middle layer is what he was saying too. Yeah, so the the I always think this is like like well what do they call them like LLMs, large language models, or mm-hmm. whatever you want to talk about. The real question is, can it create? That's going to be the magical question, which I don't know if the answer is true, the yes or no, but most of the most of the things that are transformative, let's say, they don't exist. Therefore, how could a LLM and or coding system make it? You know what I mean? Like it doesn't it doesn't make things it doesn't recognize. So that's one of the interesting things is like what will people if like my time and energy was freed from like you said, if I'm a, if I'm a great engineer and I have all these ideas, but 30 percent of my time is squashing bugs because mm-hmm. it's my product. You know, I'm, I, I always I always think about if I'm writing a new language or building a video game, whatever it is, category you're in, building a new way to scan for cancer and blood. But if I'm squishing bugs, I'm not really, what am I Mm -hmm. doing? You know what I mean? And so, so I wonder what it will unlock. So I think the the pace of innovation will, and it always has, it's just hard to imagine what it'll look like in five years. Um, And then when it comes to the leadership, like building super companies, I agree in the regard that the f- uh, whether you call it fat or you just don't need as many like mm-hmm. that's going to be a, a harsh reality i think for a lot of people is companies will not need as many people to do to operate whatever it is they're doing they're just going to need less people mm-hmm. and so you as an individual or me as an individual have to figure out ways to how i can contribute in this new way in in, in the new in the new future of work which goes back to our previous episodes, if you are not playing with these prompt tools, learn these prompt tools. Mm-hmm. There, there is no way but through experience. Um, and I want to say this really quick. I've been, I've been talking a lot in this episode. I know a lot of people who like to read, like read and watch videos and stuff because they think they're learning. But you cannot possibly learn faster than doing the thing. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't watch a video on how to play guitar and learn how to play guitar. It's not going to happen. You have to play it. You can't swim by watching videos. Like, you know what I mean? Like you would never allow your son to go in the ocean. Like, mom, I watched eight hours of YouTube on swimming. I'm good. (laughs) Totally got the ocean. It ain't a problem. You know what I mean? Like, no, you have to prove you can in order to, uh, to do that. And so we are in a world where there's so much information, so much maybe excitement, fear. It doesn't matter what the reason is, but it's like people want to learn, learn, learn. But it's like you cannot learn without doing so. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Drop your $20, get ChatGPT4, figure yeah. out what it can do. What can it not do? When's it right? When's it wrong? Trust but verify. Mm-hmm. Get good at it. Because in an interview, when you could, like, you could probably disclose all your whatever, what you're doing with it. And uh, you'd be more impressive than someone who just cites YouTube videos for sure. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> And if you're also like, I don't know where to start other than ChatGPT, there's a lot of good newsletters out now. I read one called Superhuman AI, and he sends, here's some of the most interesting AI tools that are coming out. Here's how to actually do, um, like, here's how to use MidJourney and actually make this. And he'll be like, here's how I made a 
ultra realistic, uh, whatever type of camera view of this. And then he'll like show the picture and then he has a full tutorial there too. And then he'll be like, here's the top AI tools, which is how I found out about that video one. Um, here's the different reasonings. Here's what's happening. And so there's newsletters like that one and other ones that can also give you a snapshot high level. Because I think when you start following them, you can easily see one, what's relevant to you and your industry. It starts also igniting your mind when it's like, oh, okay, I just saw this is happening a whole different space, but maybe I can pull that into my processes here. Um, and it's in a more digestible format. Because I think some people, uh, I read a stat the other day that a lot of, like the majority of people are still have never used chat GPT. Everyone knows sure. about it, but that's the majority every, that's people, a, that, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You Which, only, it only feels that way because you're in the echo chamber of exactly. Twitter or LinkedIn or yep. whatever. Yeah, most people have no clue what it is. No clue. Yeah. So I'm like, if that feels scary, then at least like finding a couple of resources that can get you into things a little more gently, and maybe even have the tutorials that are just like really quick ones. Um, I forwarded that newsletter to a couple of people, and it kind of helped pull them in in a different way that wasn't as scary as like, what do I do with this blank prompting box? Like, what do I put in here? How do I think about it? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting. I do think though, to sum it up that I think this book, whether you agree with all of it, agree with some of it, agree with none of it, I think it was a good reminder for me, you know, thinking about building a company, thinking about building teams, thinking about how the markets are shifting and how the technologies are shifting. It was just a good, uh, good thing to check out for me personally, to be able to just see kind of like what's happening right now. How did we get here? What could be happening in the future? And am I thinking about building a company correctly for where we want to go? Am I building out the right team structure? Am I thinking about the technologies correctly? Am I having a abundant mindset? I mean, that was a whole piece in his book too, around like a lot of what's been built previously was on scarcity, scarcity of energy, scarcity of like everything. And now because of how technology's changed, it's about to be in a more abundant place where if you're betting on, you know, uh, a zero sum game when it comes to certain elements, like that just might not be the case anymore and not a good place to bet. So it just kind of shifts your mindset and you can love it, hate it, agree with it, not, but I still think it's an interesting thing to check out. No doubt. And what I gathered from it is. Through their course or get no, them No, no, through the talk <laughs> or through this concept of like, is I probably am not the right person. You know what I mean? To like lead, like, you know, people are like, Oh, you got to build massive companies. Like, I don't want to build massive anything. But you already uh, knew that though. Yeah. Yeah. I already knew that. Yeah. But I do get excited about, and, and why I think I will always continue experimenting with this kind of stuff is. So if I have a portfolio of micro businesses or, um, you know, investments in all these different things, how do I make it easier to collect? How do I make it easier to evaluate? How do I make it maybe make it easier to help them scale so that I can get more distributions? Uh, you know, I, I can think about a lot of different things of where my contributions can be helpful or tools contributions can be helpful to me. And that's what I think about. I approach all of these uh, like offerings with through that lens. Like it's got to make mm -hmm. my life easier too. Yeah. Or and, and typically the only way to make my life easier is to take away something I hate. So I'm starting there. Like those are mm -hmm. the things I think about starting. And I was, by the way, I realized like, I really don't want spreadsheet calculation tools to get smart. Cause I like doing it. <laughs> you do. Yeah. <laughs> don't take learned. away what a man loves. So. I was like, yeah, I like plugging in the numbers. Like, yo, <laughs> whoa, that's good. Because even when I see like, uh, you know, like, um, okay. So I got my tax return from mm -hmm. the properties. What did I do? I double checked them all. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that's but not everyone does that but yeah i'm the same if i see an output i'm like okay well what's the formula are you even doing it right like let me double check <laughs> yeah yeah but not so, everyone's like us <laughs> yeah yeah so like i don't look to take that away but certain things i 
certain things that are kind of annoying uh for sure mm-hmm. uh, i i always i think that and that's how i encourage anyone to like invest in technology start with things you cannot stand because mm-hmm. if you can solve that you'll be so much happier <laughs> yeah well i mean when i think about things i don't like it's like working with a thousand contractors potentially maybe or like trying to outsource a bunch of things okay if something can just do that for me that feels good <laughs> yeah so that's like so much like coordination over the same kind of thing like that's kind of stuff that I think would make most founders probably annoyed. Is like, okay, I have like twenty people here, and I'm trying to align of like how to do something, and oh, these people keep messing it, it up. I'm yeah. only talking to people. I mean, that, yeah. <laughs> so that's an element where I'm like, yep, that'll continue to transform really quickly. And now you know why I've never done Uber Eats or Instacart or DoorDash. I've never done it because I you don't want to accidentally talk to them. <laughs> no, I don't want. Uh, I don't think it's because, like I said, solve things that I think are annoying. Like I actually think tipping a driver is annoying. So. <laughs> that's adding problems to my life. People are like, oh, you know, you don't just DoorDash food. Like, no. You gotta look at them. Have to look at them in the eyes and actually I have, have to look a at them possible. You want money from me? Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here with that. For doing what? Bringing me my food? You didn't even cook it. <laughs> I'm not DoorDashing. No, that's why you and I are here because we are so opposite, and it makes for a great time. Never so. done it. Don't Jeez. plan on starting. I'm like, you should just DoorDash your favorite restaurant. I'm like, what? No. Well, you you do do meal prep though, so. I have done meal prep. There you go. All right. But I stopped. Well, got too expensive. Oh my god. All right. What? what hey, frame up a problem. Let's get let's get it out there. So someone give you a suggestion. Yeah. What's something you want someone to solve for you right now? I'll start. Okay. People have been trying to solve this forever, but they just have not done it is I want someone to take a conversation between two people, uh, whether it, it, you know, it's usually client servicer relationship. And I want you to be able to convert it into benchmark tasks in a project management software. Mm -hmm. So for example, if we talk about, Hey, I want a thumbnail. What do you want the thumbnail to look like? Hey, I want it to have big Ben and the Patronus towers from Kuala Lumpur and Godzilla on one and King Kong on the other, and I want them fighting each other. I would love for it, if it could make it, that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, just say, after saying, it. You know, saying it, but, but make it's probably in a distance, but if you could convert that to a project tracker, if you could tell me, you know, and you say, hey, I want it next week and mm-hmm. you can backfill. So for example, if I program into my tool, hey, it takes me seven days to revert whatever, then it could backfill and say, hey, this is the project tracker. It wouldn't. It should know who my resources are, because one of the most annoying things I do always is take my notes, mm-hmm. which I write because I can write faster than I can type, um, and translate them into like what are my next steps. Yeah, I would love that. Someone figure that for me. I'll be, <sighs> chef's kiss. It would be heavenly. Heavenly. So you know, you do know about that Firefly tool that our team uses, right? That shit sucks. It does suck. However, it's the premise of they try to, it's not good yet, but I can see how it could be good because they basically listen on your meetings. They take notes from it or a transcript, and then they do try to put like the to do's from it or like, here's next steps. That part still sucks. And it doesn't plug into like the other part. Yeah. It, it, I feel like there's pieces that exist that yeah, they're trying. Yeah, there's pieces. The problem <laughs> yeah. is, is it, it can't understand the conversation, right? It, it re- yeah. It's still reliant on like prompting, like, you know, so like that's unnatural for me. Like, oh, okay, well, let me set up my task to do. I mm-hmm. have to do that. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not natural in the conversation. 
when it gets there, that will be chef's kiss, you know, like I said, but then also to move it into it, let's assume it can't do the work. Like, let's say, for example, like some of the things aren't digital. Like we say, Hey, I need you to deliver a pallet of wood to Stephanie's house so that her contractor can get started. Mm-hmm. It might be able to generate, you know, if it can generate, at least in the project management software, like, Hey, this pallet of wood needs to be here by this day. And I could then drive it over. That would be fantastic too. I'll start, I'll take baby steps there. Get loaded all into a project management software. That'd be cool. Now, if you could execute the order, now that gets crazy. Like if it's like, if it like executes a order for wood, ships it mm-hmm. to your house by this date, like, and then just from us talking and then like gets all my supplies and equipment there at your house so that I can build a deck or whatever it is I'm doing. That'd be insanity. Or if it yep. could hire contractors to filter quotes. <laughs> oh, that'd be, that solves your problem, right? Like just off the conversations, yep. like, hey, by the way, Stephanie, here are the top 10 contractors yep. that are good at, you know, painting. I don't know. And this <laughs> one's the best one based off of all the, what you and, need. And they've already committed this. to this price and they said they're mm-hmm. available. Do you accept? Yes. And they, you know, now your whole project's mm-hmm. being done. For, now that gets there, that that's like, that's like, that's really far in the future, but maybe it's not. Who knows? <laughs> I like that. That's good. I but mean, get okay. it to my project management software first and I will yep. forever love you. I will quit. Everyone knows I use Basecamp. I will quit it in a second. Like I'm telling you, DHA, I'm done. If, if someone figures out to integrate and tell them that goes into Monday, I'm like, Monday it is, baby. Monday uh-huh. it is. It goes into Asana. Asana it is. I will quit whatever and go to that because that I hate it. I hate translating what we talked about into yep. a project management. So, okay. I also feel like now that's creating a bunch of different ideas, but I always think about too, how many times sometimes I say something and then whether it be to anyone, you can, I'll just say you, I'll be like, Hey Albert, can you like do this or whatever? And then that just gets lost. And I would love it for it to be like, Hey Albert, remember when Steph asked you to like create the SOW or whatever? Like she asked you, but you guys didn't commit on a timeline. Like, are you doing that? Like something like that. Cause I feel like sometimes words just easily get lost when I'm, and I just assume cause I'm like, Hey, can you just do these things? but there's no like tracking of it. Cause we just talk, I'm just using you as an example, but <laughs> it feels like words get lost very easily and people commit sometimes. And then it's just like, Hey, remember when you said you were going to do that? And they're like, Oh shoot. Sorry. I'm like, mm. okay. We need like a, a tool that can help remind us of what we're committing to. Verbally? In, verbally. Well, that's pretty yeah. hard. It's gotta be always on then. I know. I am by that. <laughs> well, we're already basically right now recording ourselves, so why can't it just? Yeah, but that's a that's a that's if we're talking to each other through you know an agreed upon technical solution. That'd be good, but always on. Obviously, not not always on, but I would say meetings, phone calls. Okay, yes, yeah, very similar. So like work stuff, you know, not like when I just call you, being like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Not that. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, work stuff where it's like I I just think so many times people are talking about the same thing over and over again. It's like, Oh, I told you this two weeks ago. Like um, that's, you said, you're going to fix it. That's tough. It. To ch- now that is tough to change. That's tough. But most people say this. I saw this thing. Like, <laughs> like how many times do you think Bezos has talked about? Like, it's all about the customer or mm-hmm. something. I mean, I'm sure he's, he probably says one thing 10 million times a day. So I think that, I don't know mm-hmm. if that's going to change. Cause that also relies on the other person. You know yeah. what I mean? So. Yeah. Okay. What about hiring? Actually, I feel like there's so many people in the world and it's really still like, I still haven't seen a great tool to help fill quickly or like, I don't know. I still feel like there's problems there. Maybe it's problems for smaller companies. Actually, I feel like it's bigger. So I'm going to change too. the framework of hiring right now, hmm. right now. This is how it should be changed. What companies should do is submit projects. I was going to say that. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say test project. I was just solve this for me. Yeah. I'll pay you for solving this for me. Yeah. Like it's hey, gotta be some form of conversation. Otherwise people wouldn't mm-hmm. solve them, but like solve this. And if you solve it, um, we can move to interview phase, something like that. Yep. Yep. I think that's good. Actually, like prove to me that you actually know how to do this or that you'll do it even better than I thought could be solved. That'd be good. Yeah. And then you'll get the, a lot of people saying, Hey, that's not, you know, you're getting that you're just looking for free work and blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, no, I could see that. I could see that argument too, but maybe a lot but better I, than resume submission. I mean, like what if I'm not yeah. a good resume writer? I can't, I do. I, I, I told you how I submit to um, res, companies all the time. I just do it. I've yeah, never gotten a callback from a company with over uh, 10,000 employees. Never. Yeah. And I feel like I'm pretty qual. I'd be pretty qualified. They have to for find you. I think. I have no idea how anyone gets a job there. I mean, Google found me. I didn't reach out to them. That's my point. It's like I guess it, when you're top talent like myself. Okay. <laughs> Very true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not saying I'm the smartest guy in the world, but I know, like, you're at a big smart. company, like let's say MetLife, I'm smarter. Yeah. Than, I'm I'm a better worker <laughs> and smarter than someone right now at MetLife. I I know this. Yeah. Right. And I know I'm smarter and better at work and can get more done than someone at Apple right now. Yeah. I, I refuse to believe that there are like, you know, 300,000 people in that company that are all better than me. I just refuse to believe it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and not only better than me, better than the applicant pool. Like, you know what I mean? Like the whole yeah. applicant pool. Like I can't even get a look. Like no one, <laughs> like I need some help. Somebody's looking at my resume. It's shitty. <laughs> <laughs> either that or just no one cares or i don't know but like yeah well i think it's hard to uh still in bigger companies to get people to the right groups as well sometimes oh. <laughs> so i think a great person could apply to like i Steph, don't know i got rejected from elastic for like an account relationship thing to, like it literally took 25 seconds i submitted it and it came back oh, like, I you that. get out of here <laughs> I'm it's like, using wow. AI. It's like anyone. I'm like, wow, man, I suck. <laughs> That's why I have to work for myself. I'm, I'm, you know what I mean? Like, I can't get a job. This sucks. <laughs> well, okay, I like that. Yeah. So, anyone who is building or knows about project-based type Assessments. of stuff, I want to yeah. know because I think that is good. And we've, we in a way have done that with like test projects, but I think it wasn't full fledged enough. Like, we would just have people like, hey, write us a you know, a quick little script or whatever. No, it's not intense enough because people would write it and they'd get through and we'd be like, oh, you're still not that good. Well, like, you, know you just what? did a good job I, of I, that. I do think that we, the, probably this job is unlike um, others because it would appear to me other people still have success in their field, even the people that we don't hire. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like we're only rejecting bums. Like, <laughs> good people aren't passing either. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Yeah. That's no. a challenge. It's, it's, mean, hiring's yeah. just really hard. Yes. Solve hiring. Yeah, someone just solve hiring. Give us a better better way to hire. Find good As, people. Uh, yeah, it's culture fits. Finding culture fits. Oh, doesn't exist. Okay, well, make know. it. I don't know how to do Isn't it. Isn't that why we're here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're calling in solutions? <laughs> yeah, we got to figure it out. Someone needs to figure it out. Yeah, I, I don't know how to do that either. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we just uh, droned on for a while talking about things that we need, so... With that, we should probably wrap this episode up. Someone better figure this out. Yeah, figure out our problems. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see y'all next time.
Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.